0: welcome to the 18th episode of The Morning Rage. I'm your host, Jen Prentice. And I'm your co-host, Lauren O'Keefe. And this is not your mom's morning show. It's a space where we pop off about all things culture, society, and politics in order to help you unpack your beliefs, feel more confident in sharing your voice. And today... Join us as we talk about the problem with repressing our thoughts and emotions and explain why we rage. That's really good that we explain why we rage. (laughs) I think
1: I know, but I want all of you to know. (laughs) I mean, we've been doing this podcast, believe it or not, for four months, Jen. Wow. What, What do you think?
0: I feel good about it.
1: I feel great about it.
0: But I also think that anytime we do anything on an ongoing basis, whether, you know, we're getting paid for it or not, whether this turns into a (laughs) career, which we would love for it to. You mean we don't get paid for those commercials we do? I don't even care about cash money. I just want the free stuff. (laughs) Can I just... I need the stuff. Someone give Jen some free stuff. We want the free stuff. <laughs> Seriously, we think it's important to always go back to our why. Why are we doing this? And it's important for us. It's important for you guys listening to understand why we do this podcast, how we think it helps other people. I mean, Lauren, our tagline is that life is too short to stay silent.
1: Yes, and getting back to our origin story of that, I think is important, like you said, for us to return to so that we can continue this podcast for years to come.
0: (laughs) So today, we're taking it all the way back. To four months ago.
1: To four months ago. <laughs> Taking it back old school. But first, should we do some popping off?
0: I would love to.
1: What are you popping off about this week, Lauren? Okay, so we've all been watching a lot of streaming platforms. I mean, I can barely find anything anymore on my Apple TV. I know, real real tough problems I have. So a
0: real first world problem
1: <laughs> we're talking about here, but it's serious, you guys. Someone will mention a great show or a movie and I spend the next 30 minutes like hunting it down through all the platforms. Hulu, Apple TV, you've got Netflix, you've got HBO, you've got Discovery Plus. Everything's a plus. Disney, Disney Plus. <laughs> okay, so I can't take it anymore.
0: First of all, I don't have any more monies for more platforms. Because again, we're not getting paid. So <laughs> if one of these platforms would like to sponsor us, yeah, great. Shout us out, Paramount Plus. But. <laughs> like- I'll take the Magnolia network. <laughs>
1: That's on Discovery Plus. Then come uh, on. See, can't keep them straight. Can't keep them straight. So, here's my issue. They're going to keep developing, so you've got a whole wide array of basically networks. Someone is going to come and gather all of these up, lump them together, and then sell them to us as packages, which is something we know as cable. What are we doing? Can somebody moderate this whole situation?
0: my husband and I don't pay for cable you know we pay for high speed internet but we don't pay for cable yet we have like five different streaming services that we're paying an absurd amount of money for every month and maybe this is our call to uh charter spectrum (laughs) package all these things together yeah not we'll buy it from you not time warner you guys are terrible (laughs) (laughs) They're <laughs> the worst. Horizon,
1: maybe. Sure. It's a real opportunity for you guys. Sure. And like, we're not even going to go back to cable. This isn't even an either or because now we're hooked on all these original shows that only stream on these platforms. We're stuck. What is our future? What is our future? I have no idea. It's definitely on the internet. I'm never going to be a person that doesn't watch television. I don't really understand those people. So
0: I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. We're going to spend a lot of money. That's yeah. what we're going to do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Jen, what's your popping off? I'm going to keep this short and sweet. Okay, let's hear it. I'm popping off about Trump flags today. Oh,
1: interesting. Why do we still have them up? I would like to think it's because people
0: just are lazy like myself and like haven't taken them down yet. Is that what you think? Well, I would think that except that (laughs) one of our neighbors, Mm -hmm. we have a lot of neighbors. We're friends with a lot of our neighbors. These particular older neighbors, we don't really know them so well. Beginning of 2020, they resurrected a flagpole.
1: Yes. They put
0: up an American flag and they put up a... Trump twenty twenty flag, which you know what I was fine with because the election had not happened yet.
1: And that flag was all aboard the Trump train, I think. Yes, okay. it did
0: say that. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> okay. Yes. <laughs> okay. But I'm fine with that. The election hasn't happened. Yes. Sure. You do you, you yeah. show your support. I might not agree, but I respect your right to raise that flag. Sure. What I don't respect, this, and <laughs> this goes across party lines, folks. <laughs> I'm talking to you who are still sporting a Clinton Gore bumper sticker (laughs) on the back of that Subaru. You know what you did. (laughs) I went for a walk in a very nice neighborhood today. Mm -hmm. One of the houses had a Trump 2020 flag Mm -hmm. and a homemade Trump won 2020 sign Trump won 2020,
1: just to get their point across. So these people are not lazy. Yeah, they're not taking the, the flag down. They actually added
0: another sign. Right, much like our neighbors who mm-hmm. they put up all aboard the Trump train flag at yes. the beginning of 2020. Trump lost the election. They doubled down <laughs> and took down all aboard the Trump train flag and just put up a brand new blue and white yeah. Trump 2020 flag. A freshie. Real freshie. Yeah, she's going to be there for a while. So... <laughs> I am popping off about the fact that Trump lost the election, Clinton Gore lost the election, Bernie Sanders was never even a contender. We can all take our bumper stickers, our flags of people who did not win a democratically elected election. Mm -hmm. We can take them down. Can I say one thing,
1: though, that I think is great about these folks? yeah go ahead i really want to see where you're going here (laughs) (laughs) i would like to in their in their favor say that they are not repressing themselves whatsoever like i don't think at all in life that they repress their their feelings because they clearly don't repress their opinions and i'm not gonna lie i'm a little jealous of that because today we are going to be talking about repressing our feelings and how that is one of the reasons why we rage
0: That was such a smooth transition. I know. You loved a good transition. I love a good transition. (laughs) Well done, but also you're right. People who put a political bumper sticker Mm -hmm. on their car or raise a flag and keep it up after their candidate has lost, (laughs) they are not listening to this podcast, first of all, they're not listening to this podcast. That's true. (laughs) But they also don't struggle with repressing their feelings. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. That is interesting. Okay, so we are going to talk about uh, repression today. (laughs) It's going
1: to be super fun. Guys,
0: saddle up for
1: some fun. Okay, but also if you are like us and you do experience some repression or, you know, the funny thing about repression, which we're going to talk about some definitions, is that you may not even know you're doing it. So this could be just a real
0: eye-opener for all of us. And for context, because if you listen to this podcast, you know that we think context matters. Yes. We started this podcast in November of 2020 because we felt that over the last few years, not just in 2020, though 2020 accentuated it, Mm -hmm. we were really repressing our feelings around politics, around culture, around faith, around a lot of different issues, and we couldn't stay silent anymore. And Mm -hmm. we think that there's a large group of people who don't want to stay silent about their feelings anymore. So that's why we started this pod. But let's talk definitions, because you know we also like definitions here.
1: (laughs) We were talking about these concepts. Actually, before we started the pod, we were really narrowing in on what was driving us to have these conversations? What was driving us to start a podcast that we don't get paid for? Yet. Yet. <laughs> or Jen free doesn't stuff. get free stuff. <laughs> All I want is the free stuff. Yeah. So this was something that we talked about a lot. And we would like to compare repression with suppression. Ooh. Because we had to look this up. Land and- on me. <laughs> I want to share you got? What's the difference? the difference between the two. Where repression involves unconsciously blocking unwanted thoughts or impulses. Suppression is entirely voluntary. Specifically, suppression is deliberately trying to forget or not think about painful
0: or unwanted thoughts. That is not what we're talking about here today. The repression we're talking about here today is mostly involuntary, correct? Yes. It's more of that unconscious,
1: we maybe don't even realize that we're doing it. So we're going to really break down why we repress ourselves, some of the things that are common for us to repress, and also how this repression manifests itself in our lives, in our own person, and then what we obviously can do about
0: it. And this is going to be something we're going to talk about really this whole month. We like a good theme around here. We like context, we like history, we like definitions, and we like a good theme. True.
1: Those are all pinnacle pillars of the podcast.
0: (laughs) Right. So all month we're going to be unpacking our repression, we will actually be putting up a poll if you follow us on the socials. Ooh, please follow us on the socials. At The Morning Rage, Mm -hmm. we're going to put up a poll to see what area of repression (laughs) we should talk about on our next podcast. And then the third week of April, we're going to be talking with one Tiffany Bloom. Yes. I'm so excited about this. We are so excited. She is the author of a book called Pray Tell, Why We Silence Women and How We Can All Speak Up. So for today, we're going to start off with why we repress ourselves. Lauren, why do you think uh, we repress ourselves and our thoughts and feelings and emotions and all the things? Well, I can really only speak for myself, but
1: I would say for me, with talking about suppression, when you do suppress things, so when you consciously stuff things down time after time after time, I think you start to condition yourself to a point where you don't even realize you do it anymore. And that's when we get into this repressive state where without even thinking about it, we are silencing ourselves or we're pushing the feelings down so we don't feel them
0: So would you say that we start off voluntarily suppressing ourselves and that (laughs) leads to like an involuntary repression?
1: I think that's one of the things that we can easily do and so since you are consciously doing it we have to figure out how can we stop doing that because once you're in a repressive state it's very hard to have any self-awareness of it. The other reason we repress ourselves is because we've experienced negative reactions to us voicing our own feelings in the past And that has caused us to just start becoming silent about things. We're not getting a good reaction from people. So we close off. The other thing would be that some things are just too painful to sit with. So these would be our own emotions about situations that we just stuff down because it's too much for us to dwell on. It almost becomes like a coping mechanism.
0: I would agree with the third one, and I know you and I are going to share some things here in a minute that are really painful for us to sit with and Mm -hmm. that we have repressed because when we're getting back to the why of the podcast, we've also always talked about how we want people to feel like they're having a conversation with a friend, with a really good friend. Yes. And if we're not vulnerable here on the podcast, then that doesn't help anyone.
1: Yes. And the hope is that us being able to share these things helps other people that may be experiencing them to not feel so alone.
0: I really do hope that people feel less alone from listening to this podcast.
1: Yes. If that is the thing that comes out of it, that would be better than I could ever hope for.
0: Okay. So let's talk about what we repress. You and I sat down and we came up with 5. I'm not great at math, but I think it's 5. 5 different categories of things that we think that we repress. And we're going to unpack each of these categories individually, but I'm going to give them to you here as a list. The first one, emotions. We repress emotions. The second thing, we repress opinions. We repress desires that's number three we particularly as women repress our abilities and successes that's number four and number five we particularly lauren and i as christian women repress things related to our faith so emotions opinions desires abilities and successes and our faith lauren you want to start with emotions (laughs) sure and really unpacking how we repress our emotions and why that's damaging
1: Yes. I think the biggest thing with emotions is they can feel overwhelming, especially if we don't name them. And we have talked about this before. Jen, you are an avid journaler, which I've always admired about you. I am not as much. And you know why I've realized I don't like to journal?
0: You want to avoid pain. I don't (laughs) want to stare my feelings straight in the face. And as one who goes back and rereads her journals from time to time, I can tell you it is painful. You are a wing four
1: on the Enneagram, is that correct? That is correct. Or you kind of go between a two and a four, I would say.
0: Yes. When I was younger, I definitely leaned heavily on my two wing, but Mm -hmm. as I've gotten older, I can really dip into that four wing. I can get... Sit in the
1: feelings. Sit in the
0: feelings, like Mm. Drake. I am just like Drake. (laughs) I'm all up in my feelings. Yes, I am okay with sitting in my emotions, but I understand how, particularly as someone who is a one on the Enneagram like you and can lean heavily on your nine wing, Mm -hmm. you don't want to sit with feelings.
1: I feel things very strongly. And so if I let myself, I feel like I can get into a state of like being stuck and I won't be able to pull myself out of them. I think that's my concern. It also could be because I am a one on the Enneagram we add a layer of like guilt and shame to negative emotions. So I feel like it's bad and wrong of me to have negative feelings. And that has been confirmed over relational interactions. And I am very aware of like I make other people uncomfortable or sad. I don't like to do that. So even for myself, I push those feelings down because I think they're bad feelings and I label them as bad, and then I don't experience them, which is very, very important that we do sit in them and we do experience them because that's the only way that they can pass.
0: I agree, though as a three on the Enneagram, I don't feel that feelings are bad. Mm -hmm. I repress my feelings or maybe voluntarily suppress them, consciously suppress them, because I want to give off the appearance of being fine yeah (laughs) at all times i want people to think that i am fine until honestly guys i'm not fine and what ends up happening is that i have suppressed or repressed those two terms are getting very conflated right now well it's probably both it is
1: it's like a little bit you doing it to yourself and a little bit doing it even more than you realize it is
0: so i've suppressed and repressed my feelings to a point where I can no longer keep them down and they <laughs> erupt in this like volcano of emotions, usually on my poor husband. You Would you call it a rage of sorts? Like an uncontrolled maybe? <laughs> and I'm sure my husband would call it a rage. <laughs> Absolutely. We really do. We need to name our emotions, understand where they come from, and be able to clearly communicate our emotional needs to people rather than allow them to eat us from the inside. Which... I've done. <laughs> I, was say, I think your emotions are eating you from the inside yes. and mine just erupt like a volcano. The second thing that we repress are opinions.
1: Yes, and this gets into why we decided to even bring politics into this conversation, which to be honest is scary in any
0: realm. Yeah, those Trump flaggers are coming for me. Yeah. <laughs> I repress my opinions when I don't feel competent to express them or when I don't feel that they will be well-received by the other person. And sometimes I can feel competent in expressing my opinions, but I know that they won't be well-received by the other person. So that would be suppression, I guess. I'm going to actively suppress my opinion because I don't feel like they will be well-received by another person. I have gotten into, particularly in 2020, Mm -hmm. a bad habit of not saying anything whenever a controversial subject comes up, particularly around politics. I think this is a bit of a case of knowing who it is safe or unsafe to unpack things with. But I also think that it's important to remember that opinions, even strong opinions are great. Honestly, Mm -hmm. like I want to be friends with people who have thoughts on things, who have intelligent thoughts on things. Even if I don't agree with you, Yes, it's good to be challenged. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Like, I want you to bring your opinions to the table Mm -hmm. and to show me your research. Yeah. Show me how you have worked through a specific issue and the conclusion that you've come to. I want to be friends with those people. I want people to challenge me, Mm -hmm. but I also want people to be well-informed. And open-minded. Absolutely. We talked
1: about how to have a good argument in one of our episodes And that was a big part of it, is like, come to the table, well-researched and open-minded, and let's have the conversation. And I think when that happens, that's where really good things come out. That's where I can understand you. I can be empathetic towards what you're going through, what you're thinking through. And that's the only way that we're all going to be more understanding of one another, and we're going to create better change that affects everyone
0: in a positive way as best as possible have opinions, have strong opinions, but do your research, know the history of an issue, look at the context of a problem or a situation, and if you've done all those things, don't be afraid to share. Mhm. Okay. So the third thing, Lauren, yes, that we repress our desires. Oh, yes. And I think this is maybe one of the
1: more common ones because desires can be something that we hold really close to ourselves. It could be something from your youth because of things that you've gone through that you've never shared with anyone. It can be things that change as you get older and you don't want to share with them because it contradicts something you wanted in the past.
0: Yeah, are you ready to just get oh, real yeah. vulnerable and have oh, no. a vulnerability I hangover? This is is I this, this where, is where, we, do where it? we do
1: it? Well, I mean, in talking about repression and wanting to be vulnerable, I think it's important that this is a space where we feel like we can share And that other people feel like they are understood and that they can also share with us. Um, And we welcome you to get in touch with us just if you want somebody to talk to. Like we are honestly here for anybody who wants to talk and work through some of these things. We are not professionals, but we can be listening ears. So we're going to really open up, I think, Um, especially when it comes to desires. For me, I have been married for almost seven years. And we have been trying for kids for the last... Three or so years? It can be really hard to sit in that. Sorry, going to get emotional. This is what you this is what happens when you bring up repressed feelings. <laughs> and I,
0: as someone who can wing four on the Enneagram, will sit with you in thank your you. feelings.
1: Um, and this is what it looks like to hold space for people. So thank you all for holding space. For me, in this conversation, it's not something I like To talk about and I think as I've kind of worked through some of the things honestly I have to take it little by little like in doses I can't really sit and really like let loose about it if I do it's by myself and usually in the shower
0: which I think is what most of us will find ourselves doing who among us is not (laughs) crying in the shower (laughs) just sitting in the shower and crying about our repressed desires (laughs) (laughs) we're laughing so we don't cry
1: um (laughs) Honestly, as I've started looking at it, it really does come down to the fact that this is out of my control. There are, of course, a lot of things that you can control in it and that you can do to try for this, that's why it's called trying. When it puts the pressure on myself, when it says like, all right, Lauren, like you just need to do X, Y, and Z and then you'll get pregnant. And honestly, I have opened up about this to people and the worst thing that can happen especially if they have had kids, and even if they have had a hard time getting pregnant, they give me advice. They tell me what to do, what not to do. They say, oh, I read an article, or this happened to me, or my friend, or, you know, all of these things. And to be honest, as much as I know they're coming from a good place, their heart's in the right place, they want to help, it is honestly one of the worst things that you can do to someone that opens up about something so fragile and so close to their heart. And so I want to encourage people to just hold that space for someone.
0: It's okay. We're holding space here. Honestly, one of the best things you can do is just say, I'm so sorry. Because the giving of advice causes you to suppress and eventually repress your feelings around struggling with fertility issues. Absolutely. I think... On
1: one hand, you just learn not to bring it up anymore because it is hurtful and harmful to feel like there's something you could be doing or should be doing or should not be doing that would have allowed you to get pregnant. And that's just not true. There are things obviously out there that you can and cannot do, but I don't think any of that is very helpful because some of it is completely out of your control. And allowing yourself the space to say, this is out of my control. It'll happen when it happens. Is good in some ways, but it can also turn into "I'm fine," hmm. and it can turn into repression, where you say it's out of my hands. I'm not going to think about it. I'm not going to talk about it. The pressure's too great. It's too hard. It's too hard to think about. It's too hard to let your mind go to worst case scenario. What if this desire never comes to fruition? And obviously there's steps you can take and there's things you can do and there's lots of beautiful options for having a family. And we've talked about it. Family is not one thing, but it's also just really hard. And I think people need to let you and you need to give yourself the
0: permission to grieve that. Absolutely. That goes for anyone listening. Again, this is why we started this podcast and These are things that Lauren and I have been talking about for years before we started this podcast where we just wanted to create a space to have these honest conversations, to hold the space, to sit with each other and to say, hey, this really sucks, first of all.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But starting with this really sucks is actually
0: very helpful. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Like really
0: sucks. Yeah. I think that when we shy away from the hard things in friendships, Mm. that is where people learn over time. That's where we learn over time that the way that we're feeling or the difficult things that we're dealing with or the desires that we have are not important or they're not as bad as what someone else is going through. So I shouldn't, bring this up. I shouldn't talk about this. I shouldn't want this thing because what I'm dealing with is not as bad as what someone else is going through. I think we created this podcast to hold space for each other. And we created the podcast so that people felt like we were holding space for them. Mm -hmm. And we need to recognize that everyone is going through something.
1: Absolutely. And just because our own issues or problems or things that we're struggling with aren't as bad as other things going on in the world doesn't make them invalid. Those feelings are valid because they're yours and they're in your world. Don't not give yourself the permission to feel those feelings because you don't think they're as bad as what other people are going through. It's nice and wonderful and it's empathetic to think that other people are going through things a lot harder and we should be there for those people and do what we can to help. But also validate your own feelings. Let yourself feel those things and know that they're important because if, if you tell yourself my feelings don't matter, they're not as important as what other people are going through, my desires don't matter, that's where a lot of problems start. That's where
0: depression can come
1: and that's where anxiety, it all of it just stems
0: from those types of conversations we have with ourselves. It's where resentment can come in. Oh, yeah. And that's what I'm going to be vulnerable about Please, is yeah, how sure. I have actually repressed some of my feelings around motherhood and having a career,
1: mm-hmm.
0: growing up in conservative evangelical Christian spaces, especially in the Southeast. It is culturally instilled in you that the woman will stay home and take care of the kids and the husband will go out and be the breadwinner. And when my husband and I got married, that is the way that we set up our family. I'm a college professor. College professors don't make a lot of money. I know people think that higher ed, oh, you got the degrees. And you you don't, should be making the monies. You don't get free stuff. You don't get free stuff. You guys. <laughs> But my husband's a nuclear engineer. You know where there's money? In nuclear engineering. <laughs> so the math works out. The math works out. <laughs> yeah. So our family is set up in a way that my husband is the primary source of income. I do work part-time, but I'm mostly home with the boys. After we had our oldest child, I did realize that I wanted a career and that there were a lot of things that I was really gifted in doing. hmm I have a lot of personal passions that I want to pursue. I also feel very strongly that I want to be home and you know be very involved in yes. my boys. We now have two children with two boys. I want to be home and I want to be involved in my boys' lives. When I see my husband working nine to five at his paying job, and then he has also started his own business, so in a lot of his spare time he works on his side hustle, which is going very well and it looks like it's going to take off and i'm so proud of him but i have also become resentful yeah over the fact that i too do work 20 hours a week i work part time i take care of all of the day to day things when it comes to raising the boys and their education and all of their extracurriculars and the meal planning and if you're not even a mom if you're honestly just a woman and listening yeah. to this podcast you know that the patriarchy, <laughs> I had to drop it, I bring did it, it. I did it, the it. Patriarchy. <laughs> has set up our society and our lives in such a way that as women, we take care of the bulk of the extra labor around yeah. the household.
1: We're the, like you've said before, we're the chief operating officers of our households.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Now that I have this desire to have a career and be a CEO, yeah, there's really no time for it. Mm-hmm. And I've become pretty resentful mm-hmm. and jealous of all that my husband gets to do mm-hmm. in his career. And I suppress and repress those feelings and then I can no longer do it. And this <laughs> week in particular, it came out as a Aww. real volcano of feelings And it's not great. So we're still working through that. I'm still trying to figure out what it looks like to move forward Mm -hmm. in my career with some of my personal goals. I would really like to write a book by the time I'm 40. I would Mm -hmm. like to launch a business mentoring and coaching 20-somethings to not repress their feelings. You have, though, launched a business doing it. I have, but not as successfully because i'm an enneagram three
1: well because you haven't you haven't you don't have the time you know everything it takes to get there which is probably the most frustrating part you just don't have the time
0: that it is lauren that it is the most frustrating
1: this is another piece that we are talking about where part of that you can't control which makes it hard but at the same time it makes it maybe even harder to know that there are some things you can control but it's just not
0: humanly possible That's what I've been unpacking this week and over the past couple months is in what ways am I suppressing and repressing my desire to have a more high profile career? What ways am I placing undue guilt and shame on myself as a mom thinking, oh, I can't be a good mom and have a successful career? And I don't actually believe that, but the world has taught me to believe that. And how can I allow those two things to coexist. Yeah. Oh, that's real. Yeah. Guys, thanks for listening to us as we unpack our repressed desires in real time. (laughs) Yeah, and like for us to feel safe doing it here, honestly,
1: as we've gone through the last four months, it has gotten less and less scary. And I think that only confirms that this idea of like speaking our truths, sharing our feelings openly is a muscle that we work. And it gives me hope that in doing this, and hopefully for those listening, that you will start to open up to friends and other people so that you start feeling like there is hope in the future of us getting to a place where we are not automatically repressing hard things.
0: There is power in sharing our feelings. And that's one way that you work past that repression. Mm -hmm. Literally just that vulnerability and that sharing. Okay, so we've talked about how we repress emotions, we've talked about how we repress opinions, we've talked about how we repress desires. Let's talk about how we, particularly we as women, Lauren, mm-hmm. repress our abilities and our successes. Oh, this is real. This happens so much
1: as women. This happened to you this week. <laughs> I'm going to call
0: you out. I'm going to call Lauren out. Oh, so, no. For those of you who don't know, Lauren is a level one sommelier. yay. <laughs>
1: That's not what this particular thing is about, but Jen likes to just bring that up.
0: (laughs) She and her husband and a couple partners own their own beer and wine garden. And this week, Lauren and one of the partners in the beer and wine garden were featured in a photo shoot for The Great. Lauren, would you like to tell everyone (laughs) what The Great is?
1: I have to give kudos to my partner, Alana, and my friend. She kind of organized this photo shoot with one of her favorite labels called The Great. And we got to know one of the gals that works for The Great clothing brand uh, through Bodega. And so they wanted to do features on women-owned businesses and these women and what they're doing. And so they asked us if we would do a photo shoot and give some info on how we operate the business and some of the fun things we do. So we did get some things to wear. For the photo shoot. They got many
0: much free things. No,
1: we got slightly. (laughs) You
0: You got a lot of free stuff and I'm jealous. They,
1: They sent us some things. We got to pick out some things and wear for the photo shoot and take photos. And then they put it on their Instagram. And I didn't tell anyone I was doing this or talk about it really at all. And I didn't even think to share it with anyone.
0: So for context, because context matters around here, (laughs) The Great is owned by Emily Current and Merritt Elliott. You might know them as the founders of Current Elliott, the jean company, the denim company. They have hundreds of thousands of followers on Instagram. They're very successful business owners, and they chose Lauren and Alana to be featured on their Instagram in a beautiful photo shoot. Lauren's downplaying all of this, but this plays into what we're talking about today, you guys. You're making me so
1: uncomfortable. I know, I am. And I can
0: see it in your face. Keep drinking. Keep drinking, girl. I'm just like spinning my hair over here. She's about to cover her face with her hair, which we've talked about. When Lauren's uncomfortable, she takes her hair and she covers her face with it. So her and her business partner, Alana, did this awesome photo shoot with the great... I had to find out about this on social media, you guys. <laughs> Lauren didn't tell me. Literally.
1: Jen, are you upset with
0: me? No. Oh, because <laughs> I know you too well. <laughs>
1: No. Because <laughs> you know it wasn't like I was keeping no, it you from you. No, you weren't keeping it
0: from me. You just legit thought this was not a big deal. I actually think
1: it's more, it has more to do with being a woman, to be honest with you. Okay, I, unpack
0: that. Okay. Let's unpack that. Oh,
1: gosh. Go oh, so, ahead. so I think us as women, especially if you've had bad experiences in friendships with other women, which I, I have had since, honestly, elementary school. I mean, girls are mean.
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: So I never understood why like one week people would be friends with me and then the next week everyone hated me or whatever. <laughs> whatever happens when you're younger. But because of all of that and my experience with working with other women and being friends with other women, I learned to make myself small. I learned to make sure that no one else felt threatened by me. So That was like my goal and I don't think that was conscious. I think that was just my experience over time conditioned me to repress any positive things that have happened. I'm so overly aware of like making sure no one else feels uncomfortable or bad about themselves so then I just make myself look bad in some circumstances and it's
0: actually a problem. But it's not just a problem for you. This is a problem that I, oddly enough, in the last week, have listened to a couple podcasts on and been reading a book about. So I listened to Chrissy Wright, who is part of the Dave Ramsey Network. She had Jamie Kern Lima, who is the former owner of It Cosmetics. They got bought out from L'Oreal for a billion dollars. Wow. She is one of the most successful self-made women in the world. Wow. And for years, she told people whenever she was going to speak at places, at conferences or whatever, she would say, please don't put that in my bio. That she is one of the most successful. She was listed in Forbes as like a billionaire and she didn't want people to know it Mm -hmm. because she felt embarrassed. Well, and she probably knew she'd have a target on her back. Absolutely. And she said it's only been in the last year that she's realized that she needs to be an example of success as a woman Mm -hmm. so that the women who are coming after her can be more confident in their own gifts and their own abilities and feel like, hey, it's okay for me to be a successful woman. Because you know who's not embarrassed about being on the Forbes list of self-made billionaires? Men. Absolutely.
1: It's like built into the socially acceptable DNA, especially in the United States, that men's goal in life is to be successful. Women's goal in life is to be pleasant.
0: Oof. We could probably end the podcast right there. Yeah. It's like my mm. least favorite word in the world pleasant. That is not how I have acted this week. I have not <laughs> been pleasant. <laughs> I'm also reading Emily Lay's book. She, Emily Lay, started uh, Simplified, which is the. Planner and the personal organization company, and her new book, Growing Boldly, Mm. lays out how she started her company, which is a multi million dollar company. And she has a family, and she talks about the importance of showing the younger generation of women that being a wife, being a mom, being a CEO, being a good friend, being a daughter, those things are not mutually exclusive. But we as women were maybe taught to suppress or repress our gifts, our talents, our abilities, our successes, because of the patriarchy. I'm going to bring that up again. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm going to bring it up again.
1: Your reason for everything can't be the patriarchy.
0: I can't it? (laughs) No, you're
1: right. It actually (laughs)
0: is. (laughs) I do want to kind of transition into talking about this last thing that we suppress, our faith. I think sometimes I shy away from sharing my successes Because I don't want people to think that I'm being prideful. Yes. And I always want to make sure that I am pointing people back to the gifts and the talents and the abilities that I've been given in Christ. Mm -hmm. Like I know that every quote unquote good thing that I do, every success that I have is an outpouring of the gifts and the talents and the abilities that he has given me. Yes. And so... I want to point people back to him, but I'm not always sure how to do that in a way that doesn't seem like I'm also throwing Jesus in people's faces. (laughs) As an Enneagram 3, I can be a bit of like a shapeshifter. Yeah. And I will be who people want me to be in the moment. So if I'm with a non-Christian friend, I'm not going to talk about my faith As much as I would if I am with another friend who is a Christian. Mm -hmm. Over the course of 2020, though, I've learned even with my Christian friends to suppress and repress some things as it relates to faith, particularly my opinions around politics and faith. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because I don't want my more conservative friends to be judgmental of my viewpoints on how I do think that the Bible relates to politics and justice and mercy and things like that. Really, and I'm unpacking this on the podcast in real time, (laughs) what I'm struggling with as it relates to sharing my successes and my abilities, but also to sharing my faith is how do I honestly just point people to Jesus? Yeah. In a way that doesn't come off as judgy. Yeah in a way that doesn't come off as proselytizing. Like at the end of the day, all I want to say is like, this is what Jesus has done for me and who he is in my life. I think I stuff that down a lot because I'm worried about offending someone on either side of the political aisle, on either side of the faith sphere. I'm just worried about offending people. And honestly, I'm kind of tired of worrying about offending people. I agree. I think we're definitely talking to the group of
1: people that are repressing their feelings, are, you know, suppressing these things so that we don't hurt anybody or upset anybody or be offensive. And I'm not saying that we should all go around just like spewing our thoughts and feelings to everyone because obviously that's not great. And some of us are more prone to do that than others. And honestly, I'm very jealous of those people. I wish I didn't care so much about what other people thought of me or sometimes... That if it's something true to myself or something that needs to be said, that I would just say it despite what anybody else thinks. My therapist has taught me something very valuable in the past month and that is that I am only responsible for myself and for speaking truth from who I am and I am not responsible for anyone's reactions to that. I love that. Like I stay in my lane, you stay in yours you can react however you want to react. That is on you, but I am not responsible for it. And I should not adjust myself or repress things so that I get a better reaction. That it should not be my goal in life.
0: And that's definitely something that I struggle with. Yeah. I will repress and suppress and stuff things down and shapeshift and be who people want me to be and only share opinions when I feel like they're going to be valued, and and create good outcomes. Okay, so real fast as we kind of wrap up here, how do we think that repression manifests itself and what are some things we can do to really unpack our thoughts and our feelings and be more bold in sharing them?
1: I think repression manifests itself in some really interesting ways. One of those being dreams, which I think we should have an entire podcast about because dreams are crazy and sometimes you wake up and you're like what have i been repressing that has been like eking out into my subconscious dream world and that is a very bizarre thing that we don't talk about very often dreams are weird
0: i would love to have someone who is like what what do they call themselves even like a a dream specialist honestly
1: i think there are dream specialists there's psychologists that specialize in dreams I I would
0: love that. (laughs) Really, if we could have a Christian psychologist who specializes in dreams, if you're listening to this podcast and you know someone, call us. We would love to have you on the podcast. Yes, Yes, I agree. Repression does manifest itself in dreams in very funny and interesting ways. Yeah. (laughs) I also think that it manifests itself in our bodies. Oh, especially as
1: women, I think we're very connected to
0: our bodies.
1: I think we've all experienced how our emotions can affect our
0: bodies. I have had bouts with anxiety and depression that I think were an outgrowth of the fact that I was repressing and suppressing some serious stuff and it manifested itself so physically. Yes. I thought I was dying multiple times.
1: Yes, because you can actually make yourself sick. Yep. I have had so much back pain that I don't know where it's come from. Back pain, chest pain, like actual pain in my body that feels like you should go to a doctor, but realistically, it's because you've stuffed so many emotions and feelings inside of yourself. The tension that you build in your own body can cause some real havoc. It's a real serious issue and something that we don't address enough. We think about body issues as like physical doctor, body issues, we think about emotional issues as emotional issues, and the two go hand in hand so often we need to talk about it
0: all as one piece. I haven't read this book, but it is on my 2021 reading list, The Body Keeps Score. Ooh. Maybe that's a future uh, Morning Rage Book Club book.
1: I think so. Okay, so another way that we see this manifestation happen And this could be, you know, just a negative coping strategy that we adopt is numbing out. When we repress things, it's like the whole thing is that we cannot handle it. We repress it, we repress it. And then for whatever reason, we can't really operate as normal. So we end up numbing out and it's hard to pull yourself out of that.
0: Is that when I'm watching cat videos on the TikToks?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. I I think that would qualify.
0: (laughs) Excellent. Okay. (laughs) Moving right along, I think the last way, at least that you and I have identified, repression manifests itself is in rage and resentment, which I uh, talked about earlier, (laughs) and my rage and resentment against my husband for having a successful career. Yeah. Yeah. I would like to get to a place, Lauren, Mm -hmm. of what I call rational rage. Yes. I think that's kind of what we built the
1: pod on Mm -hmm. was that the morning rage would be an outlet for us to put rational rage, thoughtful rage, if you will,
0: (laughs) into. So these are a lot of things that we're going to be unpacking over the next few weeks this month as we talk about why we rage Mm -hmm. on the podcast in April. Last thing... What are some recommendations that we have for people as we're talking about healthy ways to deal with repressed emotions?
1: Yes, there's definitely a time and a place to share your feelings, especially these deep things like the desires. There is a time and a place. There are specific people. It's helpful to think through that because the worst thing you could do is let this unleash itself on the wrong people or at the wrong time if you get a bad or negative reaction to Your emotions to your vulnerability, it might cause you to repress
0: even further. And I would also say that sharing things should always start in the context of a safe relationship because I think often when you get those negative reactions, it's because you haven't built enough of a relationship with the person. I mean, sometimes I think I have built a relationship Mm -hmm. with a person and I still get those negative reactions, but sharing should always start in the context of a safe, or at least a space that you perceive as safe.
1: One of the things that we can't leave this conversation without talking about is therapy. And I know we've brought this up before, and I know there are some stigmas to it, but think about it this way. You go to a chiropractor to realign your spine, and you do that regularly. Or you go to a doctor for an annual checkup, or you go to the dentist for a cleaning. This is in the same vein of... Schedule it out, carve out the time, and let that be the time that you unpack these things because I guarantee it, the thing you thought you were going to go into your therapy session talking about is not what you end up talking
0: about. I thought I wanted to come talk about how I was irritated with my kids (laughs) and all of a sudden we're unpacking issues from my childhood or vice versa. I don't know.
1: And it's important if you don't give yourself the space, if you don't have a safe place and a person that is unbiased, that is just there to listen, it's really hard to get some of these things unwound out of your
0: mind, out of your system. I will pay someone to listen to me talk for an hour any day of the week. Agreed. Agreed. Maybe that's what we're doing here. Except we're not getting paid, you guys. Or free stuff. Free stuff. (laughs) (sighs) Okay. Speaking of stuff, see what I did there? Do you see what I did there? do. (laughs) Do you have hot stuff this week, Lauren? Uh, I just have a mini hot stuff. Okay, because I don't have hot stuff because, as I talked about last week on the podcast, I've been taking a break from the people.coms. Oh, so man,
1: I'm really proud of you. I don't
0: have any hot stuff for you. That's
1: I'm really proud. That's really something. And by
0: taking a break, I'm going to be honest because I feel like this is a safe space. <laughs> that means I only check it like once or twice a week, not <laughs> once or twice a day. <laughs>
1: So Jen will be back with the hot stuff soon. Maybe next week. What's your hot stuff? (laughs) Mine isn't necessarily like celeb related, but as we were talking about streaming systems, Paramount Plus, yes, guys, that's an actual streaming platform. What you will get on Paramount Plus is the real world homecoming. Jen, did you watch real worlds on MTV when you were younger?
0: Oh, I did watch real world. Was I allowed to watch real world? Heck no. No, of course not. My parents, who are literally in the other room as we (laughs) record this podcast, (laughs) we had cable growing up. We paid for cable growing up. Oh, I didn't Mm get cable growing up. Yeah, no, we did. And my parents figured out a way to use parental controls so that when you were just using the up or down button on the remote, it would skip past MTV and VH1.
1: But you could still see it?
0: No, my brother and I figured out that if you just knew the channel number to plug in,
1: you you could still watch it. Genius. So
0: I did watch Real World (laughs) growing up. I'm not sure it was that great for me. I'm not, look how I turned out.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, then you'll be thrilled to know. I don't know, maybe thrilled. So, the real world homecoming is the original New York cast. This was from 1992.
0: With Puck and Rachel? Oh, so you did watch. Love- oh, yes. yeah, girl. <laughs> You're going to get so grounded. <laughs> I was 10. You Can guys? you
1: believe that they are doing a reunion cast? The same exact cast is coming back from 1990.
0: You Do guys. we want to
1: see this? Do we need to see this? Absolutely. But all I can think is why haven't they done this for The Bachelor? Obviously we watch The Bachelor, we recap it on YouTube, we're in a little bit of a break until Katie's season comes up. Can we get the first three or so seasons of The Bachelor and anyone still looking for love on the franchise from those seasons can come to paradise? Come on, where's Bob? The Bachelor?
0: Bob Guinea is married with one and a half children, Jen. Lauren.
1: Okay, so then my bigger question is why are you still
0: keeping tabs on Bob the Bachelor? I have questions about that, too. And you don't have any hot stuff, Jen. I can't even imagine. What, what's happening to me? Also, I was wrong. The first season was not with Puck and Rachel. I think that was season two. The first season was with Eric Nice hmm, and Kevin Powell, who went on to be an R&B singer. Wow. All
1: right, so I know if you stuff? have Paramount Plus for some strange reason, you can watch Real World Homecoming. I, can't, I can just can't even imagine. Also,
0: Paramount Plus, call us. We got big plans for the Bachelor reunion cast Yes, yeah, give us free one. stuff. <laughs> uh, yes. Guys, give us free stuff. And rate and review this podcast. <laughs> Thank you for listening. As always, as we said at the beginning, as we've said from day one, We truly think that life is too short to stay silent.
1: Thank you for raging with us.